This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I am your host, Cam Edwards. Miss E will be along here shortly. Uh, I am at the kitchen table Flying solo for the moment here. We are in the middle of a thunderstorm uh, in the uh, 40 acres. And uh, Miss E and two of the three kids that are still in the house are out on the front porch watching the lightning. Which is actually pretty cool. I'm okay with that because they're not playing video games. They're not uh, uh, eyes glued to the television set right now. They're outside going, wow, every time they uh, see the lightning just light up the sky. And there's uh, actually quite a bit of lightning around right now. So hopefully, haven't heard any uh, trees falling yet. Hopefully, all of those remain standing during the uh, latest round of storms. We still have a couple of trees down from earlier spring storms that we've got to get to. But in the list of like things that we try to get to during the weekend, uh, that's always kind of like halfway down the list. And we we never quite get to that point on the to-do list. So I still have a pine tree that needs chainsawing, and we still have a couple of uh, pear trees where huge portions of the trees uh, had come down. Those still need to get uh, chopped up. But the good news is that we did actually put some seeds in the ground this past weekend. So I'm feeling at least a little bit better about that. Uh, our beet seeds are down in the ground. Our carrots are down in the ground so we at least have a couple of items that uh, that have now officially been planted we have a lot of seedlings that need to go into the ground hopefully this weekend and that means that the uh, the hogs have to be moved we have to uh, rototill we didn't get that done um, but in addition to the uh, the the uh, seeds that got planted we also said goodbye to a few of the bacon seeds this week. We'll be talking about that with with Miss E later on in the program. But yes, three of the five hogs uh, went to the processor this week. We did not butcher them ourselves this time. We just decided with the uh, weather getting warmer and the uh, uh, need to actually work as quickly as possible and find the time to do it early. In the, it just wasn't it wasn't happening. So. Um, Last three went to the processor, uh, who I was hoping would be USDA certified by now, but uh, don't think that he's actually through the very lengthy process of being able to commercially process our pork. At least not not yet. Hopefully uh, later in the year. But uh, tomorrow we will pick up the uh, finished product, and I have no idea how much finished product we're talking about here, but. Uh, uh, we asked for bellies and ribs, and because the hogs are just so fatty, because they're lard hogs, um, really besides the ribs and the bellies and I think whatever pork chops we might be able to get um, after that, it's just give us chunks of meat that we can turn into sausage. So we will likely, on a, a rainy weekend uh, coming up here, 
be making a ton of different sausage. Uh, right now, I think the plan is for breakfast sausage, Italian sausage, bratwurst, and maybe Misty will uh, try another kielbasa recipe. She's still trying to get that perfect kielbasa, and she hasn't quite gotten there yet. So that might be a, another thing that she experiments with this weekend. But we are slowly making progress in our garden. I hope that you are making progress as well. I would love to hear from you. The email address, of course, uh, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. We'll be uh, sharing some of your emails a little bit later on in the program. But I, I'm, I'm, I am very curious because this has been a very weird spring uh, here in central Virginia, the it's it's not even May yet. Our fireflies or lightning bugs, depending on, on where you are in the country, uh, they're already out, which seems really early to me. It seems to me like that was sort of a June phenomena last year, maybe late May. Uh, but they are already out, not in abundance, but but I'm seeing one or two uh, in the fields in the evening. Meanwhile, uh, I've got friends in Colorado who are getting ready for 10 inches of snow. Uh, friend Jen Jakes from Bearing Arms up there in Wisconsin. I think the high today was 39. She said it was doing some sort of wintry mix still up there. So I, I, it, you know, here in Central Virginia, it feels like spring has sprung and we are very close to summer. We've had a couple of days where uh, we got close to 90 degrees already. But other parts of the country, uh, clearly spring is uh, bitterly clinging to the trees and to the soil. So I, I'm, I'm dying to know, like, how is your garden growing? Have you even been able to put stuff uh, in the ground where you are? Let us know and we'll uh, uh, find out how your growing season is going here on the next edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. All right, I can hear Missy in the kitchen, so I think that she's getting closer to being able to join us. I can also see by my clock that uh, it's time for me to put my kids to bed. So uh, I know we've only been chatting for a couple of minutes, but uh, why don't we go ahead and take a quick timeout? We'll be back, and hopefully it will be a we when I return, uh, here on 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent and they were all talking a great game and this guy who is selling his house the founder of this uh, this company he's you know he's kind of an important guy and kind of you know should get the best treatment and he said to his wife if this is what it's like for us how do people who have no clout ever get around this so he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country. And they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards, and now Miss E is in from the rain and the storms. 
Yeah, we were watching the lightning with uh, Kid 4 and Kid 5. Yep. I'm fine with that. TV's off, and they're actually going, wow, about, you know, the things they're seeing outside. Yeah, and there was a pretty strong lightning band there for a while. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It yeah. was almost Oklahoma-like. Yeah, a little bit, but not as bad as it's been there. Yesterday, there was, like, crazy tornado watches and warnings all over the state. What was really funny is my one Oklahoma friend, he's like, I don't know if it's a watch or a warning. I'm like, dude, I don't live there anymore, and I know the difference. A watch <laughs> means conditions are favorable. A warning means that something's been sighted. Yes. It should be noted, though, that for a good deal of the time that we lived in Oklahoma. I never you, got it right. You didn't. But he's from Oklahoma. See? There's no excuse for that. I moved to Oklahoma. I lived there for maybe, what, seven years? Seven years. And then I left again. Right. And I never actually ever woke up for the tornado siren either, so... No, I know. No. But, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it's... Like I said uh, during the last segment, you weren't around for this, but uh, it's been a really weird spring, you know? I yeah. mean, just in different parts of the country. Uh, you might hear Bullet there in the background as he tries to find a place to get comfortable yeah, underneath the, our feet. The perfect spot. Right. But, uh, you know, here we've had 90-degree days, and we've had fireflies pop out. Uh, now it's like in the, in the 70s, it's been cool and uh, gray and rainy and it's going to be that way for the next five or six days i was just uh, uh telling miss e before we started with the podcast i hope that the seeds that we planted this past weekend don't all get washed down to the other side of the garden uh, yeah that happened to us two seasons ago with our carrots mm-hmm. we, we planted carrots in a raised bed and we had a downpour like two days later i think these have probably been out there long enough because it's been since last weekend right so i think they're they're there to stay Especially the beet seeds. And we, we sort of, even though we're doing in-ground lines, I, I don't know what we're doing. We're not doing raised beds except for the things that need it, mm-hmm. which is carrots and and beets. So we made these sort of like temporary raised beds, but they were mostly level, even though that part of the garden has an incline. And I'm talking with my hands on a podcast, like all y'all can see what the <laughs> heck I'm doing. But yeah. the whole That whole garden area has a slight slope down to uh, uh, some woods and then a pasture. And uh, so the original idea was to have the raised garden beds sort of set up in a in a brick pattern so there wasn't any straight line to go down to the water. But it was such a pain to keep weeded and take care of and trying to maintain that it was just like... Well, okay. and it was... I think from the beginning it was also too big. It was also big. just way too big. I was thinking I needed this mom... You know, I don't know. I, I don't know why I kept didn't read all those... Look what you can do in all these little square foot <laughs> things. I'm like, because that's what I really needed. I just need more tomatoes than normal people. But other than that, right. we could have done well with everything else. So, but yeah, I'm hoping that those seeds don't wash away. But we do have to p- plant bean seeds this Saturday because I've put them in a pre-ferment sort of thing. Yeah, right. So you, with when when you're uh, getting the bean seeds ready, you soak them in water, right, until they start to. Well, all of the packets said like one to two hours, mm-hmm. but I got this gardening book that's specific for our southeast region of the world, mm-hmm. and it recommended that you soak them for four to eight hours in water, and then drain them and put them in a dark, warm place for a few days, and rinse them every day until they start sprouting like little white wispy tendrils Mm -hmm. and then that's the that's the beginning of the root system but then you have to get them in the ground so come rain or shine we have to get them in the ground on saturday otherwise we're not gonna have any bees okay so well uh, there's something to do uh but the good thing is is that most of them 
excuse me, <coughs> most of them are bush beans. We only have one variety that's a pole variety. Okay. But we can we can rig up one of those things that we used last year for the tomatoes. Yeah, now one of the other projects that we also have to do this weekend is we um, we have to move the hogs, where the uh, the two hogs that are left, so yep. then we can uh, rototill where we actually want to put the tomatoes and the peppers and uh, put those in the ground. So I, I said uh, during the last segment that uh, three of the hogs went away, but I figured I'd let you tell the story since I was actually at work when uh, uh, the hogs went off to freezer camp. Yeah, I made arrangements with our butcher the previous Friday, and um, he said Tuesday. So I'm never too sure what he means on a Tuesday. I just sort of, I work from home, so it doesn't really matter. But he showed up at like five minutes after five, which was good, but because it was feeding time. So I, I go out there, and he's got his truck and his trailer and a couple of friends to help out, because they're not that big, but they're heavier than they look. Right. So... Uh, he backs he so we have electric fence so it's it's pretty flexible so he's and he's really great about how he can back up his trailer so he backs up his trailer exactly into the opening area we sort of set the electric net on either side and he has these big heavy cattle panels and so what he does is he ties them he he he, <laughs> he tied one of the camp cattle panels to one side of the trailer so that it came straight out and a parallel line from the trailer side. And then we tied the other trailer panel to the end of that and folded it in in an L shape. So we created this little pen Mm -hmm. that was right behind the trailer. And then we just sort of baited it with food and whoever went in there, we just sort of then brought the the bottom of the L around the trailer, creating a triangle Mm -hmm. that trapped them right outside the door. Okay. So the first time we managed to grab one, and it was uh, one of the the younger ones because we had Abigail, who is the the mom. She's three years old, and then we had her four daughters. Right. So the one it was the one of the younger ones, and we named them Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Smog, and it wasn't Smog. You can tell Smog because she's got the spike. She's got a mohawk. Yeah. With like bleached tips. <laughs> you can t- seriously. We'll have, to, we'll have to post a picture of her if I can get her in the right light. But anyway, so it wasn't her. But anyway, so the one young one gets in, and the 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 dudes are funny because the guys coming to help. I climb over the fence, and they come over, and I just start petting the hogs. And mm. these big burly, you know, heavy husky dudes are like, "You can pet them. You pet them." <laughs> and I'm like. Oh yeah, they're just they're they're just like big dogs. They like getting pets. They like getting belly rubs. Can I pet one? I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on in. So he climbs <laughs> over the electric net because it's turned off, and he's petting on one of the girls. And she's like leaning in, and he's like, oh wow, I did. That's not what I thought it would feel like. I'm like, nah, because they're like it's like porcupine hair. Like they, they're fuzzy, yeah. but it's really like a brush. Uh, so anyway, we 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 get the one girl trapped, and I'm like. Okay, so I I climb down into the pen and I grab her by her ears and I kind of make her they don't jump so I gotta, I kind of force her to get her legs up so I can pull her up mm-hmm. and then I grab her back legs and I totally throw her in the trailer and shut the door and the other two dudes are just looking at me like and I kind of look at the butcher and he's like all right you guys do that <laughs> you don't do that again I'm like all right. <laughs> so I went back into the house to get some more feed so we could get them. Entice because they were they're kind of they were kind they were trying to round them up. Okay, yeah, you You can't can't round them, but you can lure them with food, and that's the next thing that happened. So I went back in the house to get some more food, and they managed to trap two more 
hogs, and I got out there when they were trapped, and it was Abigail and one of the younger ones again, so we just did the same thing, hauled them back in, but Abigail's probably a good 250 pounds. Right. And the other ones are probably about one... I'd say 175 to 180. Mm-hmm. She's significantly larger than the rest of them, which makes me believe that I was duped and she wasn't 100% American guinea hog either. Because she's a little bit poor. She's a little than, bit right. too big. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. she doesn't have the right kind of nose. Did you ever notice her daughters a have bit. a different nose? Mm-hmm. And she's a little bit more so. She came from a mixed... Uh, uh, Abigail came from a, a bunch of hogs that were either... Um, American guinea hog or American guinea hog with a little bit of Tamworth, and I think I got the latter, not the former. A little bit of Tamworth, yeah, yeah. But they, well, listen, she's gonna her, make for good eats. I was gonna say the, uh, the she's the last of the first class, yes, uh, bacon seeds, and they produce delicious, delicious bacon. They did, so. but I think we're gonna go with something a little less fatty and a little more fast growing. I liked the Tamworth Berkshire mixes we did with Hambone and, mm-hmm. and Spotted Dick. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I'd like to better uh, hams. Yeah, so we'll probably leave these two until the fall, and then we'll yeah. butcher these two, and we probably won't have hogs over the winter, and then nah. we'll pick them up again in the we'll spring. We'll get some wieners in the spring, I'll put some feelers out. Um, so I told the butcher for these, because the last time I tried to get you know, hams and loins and roasts from an American guinea hog, I just got small pieces of meat held together with a lot of fat, Right. to be honest. So this time around, I said, just give me as many pork chops as you can, the ribs and the bellies to make bacon, and then just give me the rest in chunks and try to keep the fat a little more separate so I can mix it proportionate. Because I'm just thinking these most of these are going to be sausage. Yeah. Pork chops and sausage. And bacon. And bacon. So it's a good life. Lovely, lovely bacon. We, we eat a lot of sausages. I make I four types, and now that I think I've got the fat right, I got the mixy mix right... <laughs> And uh, I figured out the whole smoke, cure, cold plunge, garlic thing for the kibasi. This is going to be a really good sausage batch. What did I say? I, I, I Last segment, when you weren't here, I mentioned that uh, you would probably be trying to perfect that kibasi recipe. It's wasn't. It doesn't have enough fat in it. I've been trying to not... Because, okay, so commercial sausages, I can't eat them because they're too fatty, so I get agita. I get, like, it bothers my stomach. I get really bad heartburn. Homemade sausages, I don't have enough fat in them. Mm -hmm. So I have to find the happy balance. And it may just be that it's also, like, I've got better fat anyway, so I could just go ahead and throw a little extra in. Right. Um, But I also have to get a little bit more comfortable with using, like, cold diced fat because I really, really want to take my sausage making to the next level. And go to the cured pepperoni and salume and those sorts of things. So I'm master sausage maker. I want not a ma- I, whatever. I just want to make <laughs> make you know corny goat farm sopraceta or kibasa. I don't know. I don't have to be like whatever. I'm a mutt. Like I'm all kinds of things. I'm not Italian, but I make a really good lasagna and I make great homemade pasta. Indeed you do. You're not uh, Indian and yet you made a butter <gasps> chicken and naan tonight. That oh, was fantastic. I want more naan, but I don't need more naan. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we take a quick time out? Maybe you can go grab a nibble. Uh, we'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network right after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. 
nothing exists in a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. For every political action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. I can go through the entire book of physics and philosophy if you like. We all know this. No action taken in a binary zero-sum game will be without reaction as bloody as possible from the other side. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks for joining us here at the kitchen table on a uh, stormy evening, although these storms do seem to have passed, thankfully, but uh, still more rain on the way. Still to come, we'll uh, check in with your emails. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. So the cows are back in the uh, pasture that we allow our neighbor to use. And the other night I come out and there are probably 30 cows lined up against the fence, just all lined up against the fence. And they're all staring across our gravel driveway at the hogs. Black hogs, little black hogs. Right. And they've been around. I mean, it's not like the hog. Actually, the hogs are up farther than they've ever been. been. As close to the cows as they have been before, because (laughs) this is the furthest up the pasture on that side of the field Mm -hmm. they've been. And yeah, they the cows looked so perplexed. Like, what are those little black cows doing over there? But they don't smell like cow. What are those little what? what eyes? What what's going on? Like they and it was they funny were just because staring, yeah. they were staring. And usually, if you walk towards them, they all run away. They mm-hmm. don't like people at all. But they stood there. Oh yeah, like, I walked over and uh, before you had come out, I, I told you I walked over and uh, was able to actually like put my you know arms on one of the fence posts and you know the cows are not quite within reach but probably like four or five feet away and uh took a couple of pictures they're up on uh, my instagram account at cam edwards you can see them there but uh, they were just they were fascinated by the hogs and they were not scared no not uh, at all because I mean, I when you told me that i walked around the other side of the big cypress tree and went over to check on the hogs just because i was like what are you doing that's so fascinating to the cows and <laughs> They were just nuzzle, and then they started like talking because they talk to me. Right And I just do it back to them, and they just get louder, and we're just. It's yeah. I don't know what they're saying to me. I have no idea if I'm if I'm being polite or I'm rude or whatever. But we're having a conversation, and the cows are still just staring at us, and it was really like weird because it's like it's in that it's what's that called that. The gloaming. The gloaming, yes. That time it's, of night, like right around twilight. Di- but dusk, not quite dark. And there's all these like big black cows <laughs> along the fence line. And it's in this shadowy place in the front pasture because there's other things overhead with trees and bushes and stuff. And you're like, this is a little freaky. It's like a little bird's version, of, with but with cows. But with cows. Right? Alfred Hitchcock's The Cows. Although they've never come through the fences before. <laughs> we did have our one of the, the our neighbor who, who runs the cattle in our pasture. Uh, his son came by one day asking if I'd seen a, a, a little bull. I was like, uh, no, I, I no, no. And, you know, he's been running around for a couple of weeks. I was like, wow. I'm pretty sure someone by then took him in and made him into a barbecue. But I remember it was it's probably been two summers ago, but we were <laughs> we were on our way to Farmville, Farmville. And as we're driving down the road, there is 
there were two, two calves. Yeah, just, pretty big. Right, but I'd say about yearlings, but not big full size. No, but they're just walking down the no, side. No, they're just trotting, trotting down, down the side, side of, the of Farmville, heading south to town. And uh, and so I ended up calling. I mean, what do you do? So I ended up calling nine one one. I know we both were like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "We should call the police." <laughs> and say, "Hey, Somebody has to know that they're out." Just wanted to report that there are two cows. No, we didn't say that at all. We said there are two baby cows. Two baby and cows. The dispatcher is laughing at us, and we're like. <laughs> Oh gosh, we're so we're not, not from around from here. Around here. <laughs> <laughs> there are baby cows to the side of the road. <laughs> she said to send somebody out, and we didn't see them on the way back, but it was kind of funny. They were just like, doing it, doing it, doing We're taking right? a little run off. Like a big yeah. day off. For yeah, the, uh, exactly. For, for the, the baby little, cows. For the calves. <laughs> Baby cows just sound cuter. I like baby cows. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing after. We're just like cracking each other up on the way down to go out to dinner, too. We're like, oh, great. We said baby cows. We're so touristy. <laughs> well, I don't know how touristy we are, but uh, definitely newbies. Well, that was a couple of years thing. ago, too. Yeah. Well, I'd still say baby cow today. <laughs> now I say calf. It, <laughs> it rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. Just, you know, baby cow. Calf, I know, is, is, you know, shorter, actually, but baby cow just just sounds better. Calf. <laughs> so we went to an auction uh, last weekend as well. This was, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you live in a rural area, you probably see this. Um, you know, folks get old and then they uh, decide that they want to move somewhere else, maybe Downsize. a retirement home or, you know, uh, move, right, uh, closer to family or whatever. But uh, there was a house. Uh, not far away that the uh, the sign had gone up. And, and I, I'm actually surprised because it has not been on the market that long. And it is under contract uh, already. That So the, the house itself is up for sale and uh, it's under contract. So there was a, there was an auction for all of the items inside the house. Yeah, glasses, china, tchotchke. Right. Tractors. And we've been to a couple of these before. And, it, you know, it's some, sometimes you find some interesting stuff. Yeah. And there actually were some interesting things, but not enough to actually stick around for the hours that it would have taken to get to these items because there was a lot of stuff. Of and there stuff. was a lot of stuff that just wasn't, it was just stuff. Yeah. As far as I was concerned. There's a lot. She liked her glasses and dishes. I do have to say that that, that planter's peanut depression era, it, it looked like depression era glass, but it was a rather large, probably gallon sized peanut container that was glass. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a, it wasn't quite a square, but each corner had like a big half peanut a glass half glass peanut, right. half peanut on it. So it was like four glass half peanuts being held together in a square shape with a lid, and it was pale. It was it was translucent pink, mm-hmm. and it said planters. I mean, it was massive. Yeah, it was really I interesting. Was, there was a couple other people who were checking it out too, but it was it was along the end of the very long long row of crap that was up for auction, and I was just like. I don't think I want to stay here all day long just to buy this pink glass thing that is just going to get dusty in my house, honestly. Right. But it just, it, it was, it really looked cool. But, and now I'm probably like, everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, it's a collectible worth thousands of dollars and you probably could have just got it. I'm like, uh, but I, whatever, don't tell me that if it is true. Exactly. Because I wasn't going to say it anyway, but. <laughs> there was some, there was some interesting old furniture. Uh, there were some old pictures actually of Farmville that I had thought about bidding on, but they, they were actually they weren't like pictures. They were just 
look like photocopies of, of pictures that have been blown up. So I'm fairly certain that the originals are probably somewhere in the you know historical society. Yeah, they look like uh, blow ups of postcards. Yeah, it was interesting. Back. But I mean, uh, it cute, but yeah, but they were also like wet. Mildewy damage, right, exactly. water damage. So exactly. Like, so I'd rather find old uh, original photographs myself, and then you know, turn blow them up and uh, and frame them. So it was uh, that that was sort of a bust. Our trip to the auction. Uh, our youngest daughter went with us, and she was hoping to find something really cool. But uh, yeah, when well, we did take her a couple of years ago to an auction, we found it was like a 1940s. St- Damped or 19, maybe not even that old. Uh, I, I think it was 1940s. It might have been 1940s. I remember I had one when I was a little girl, but it was like, it's like that aluminum dollhouse that's sort of printed on and, and painted onto, and it's all tabbed and slotted together. Mm-hmm. And then it came with uh, a lot of the little bits of plastic furniture to put in all the rooms. Right. And we won the auction for that, and it's in, in uh, Kid five's room and <laughs> she didn't really quite use it as a dollhouse uh she used it as a, a little animal shelter a, animal shelter for her <laughs> little pet shops but it it was it's been loved and played with but the cool thing about that was the original owner who played with of it the as dollhouse a child, who now was a uh, an older lady who was the reason that everything was getting auctioned off right she was actually there and she was telling us you know about her dad bringing her that dollhouse and her playing with it as a kid and she was so excited that it was going the dollhouse was going to an actual child yeah uh, there were other going adults to play with it. it yeah and so we, that was really cool we actually took a picture of uh of our youngest them. daughter right yep. and with the dollhouse uh so i thought that was pretty neat yeah uh, so I, you know I guess you can't have that type of experience uh, every time you you go to the auction. Sometimes and we got a cool whatnot shelf. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I was bidding on a frame mirror or something, and and no, no I wasn't. We weren't. It, we were like it was a weird how they were presenting <laughs> things. It was like tail end and back end. I was like, wait, wait a minute. That's not what we were bidding on. We were bi- we we're. We were bidding on that other th- that nope. And then, no, I was not. I was bidding on a little knickknack shelf what not called shelf. a whatnot shelf. Whatnot shelf. We yeah, have, it's in the bar. It's being used. Uh, it is. For it's rickety. I need to things and whatnot store it <laughs> store it up with some glue in some areas. But uh, yeah, the whatnot shelf. Yeah. Whatever. I know. That's why. I... <laughs> That's why we're not going to any more auctions. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what you need to do, though. You need to go milk. Yeah, it's not raining anymore, so I'm hoping that the goats aren't going to try to stay in the house. But I can't make them wait anymore because it's usually about an 8 o'clock thing. And it's last a little night bit I later was, than 8 o'clock well, now. Last night I was a little late because I was catching up with a friend who was uh, in uh, in town uh, from biz- for business. But she she lives out near Chicago now. Mm-hmm. So we just jabber-jawed for like three hours. And I looked at my watch and I was like, crap, it's an hour home and i got to go milk. <laughs> So, yeah, they got milked at 10 o'clock last night. So, yeah, it, I can't keep pushing it any later because then mornings are really not good. So. All right. Well, say hi to the goats for us. We, I will. And uh, we'll take a quick time out. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear from you. We've got uh, several emails to get to. So much more 40 Acres and a Fool is on the way right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up on Pat and Stu. Ben Carson continues to go off the rails. Um, 
he's been off the rails for a while, but this he's is... An embar- I mean, it's, he's an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> a literal <laughs> embarrassment to him, to all of his yeah. supporters, to his yeah. family, to, yeah. uh, to his Mankind. profession. I would honestly not go to a neurosurgeon after this. I don't believe that they are capable of anything. <laughs> Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Thanks so much for being a part of this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. All right, Missy is off milking the goats, and uh, we've got several emails to get to, so let's get started here. Um, We'll start with an email from Brian. Who said, Cam, uh, being fan of a being a fan of history and road trips, my wife and I have decided when we retire, we're going to retire to the furthest reaches of Arizona, not for the purposes of farming or to become survivalists, but for purely misanthropic reasons. We are tired of living in big cities to help prepare for this. We take an occasional long weekend and we just drive around the state, stop in tiny towns, try to learn something about the local area and basically pretend that we aren't city folk for a few days. Brian says, in our travels, we've often passed these little signs that warn of an upcoming historical marker, followed quickly by a tiny patch of parking lot with some kind of stone marker and a brass plaque. We've never stopped. We've just always driven past them. But this trip, Brian says, I decided to correct that. Schedule be damned, we were going to take a few minutes and stop at this next random marker in the middle of miles and miles of an empty two-lane freeway surrounded by miles and miles of empty desert. As it turns out, Brian says, it was where Geronimo surrendered to the U.S. Army. It was the site, or very near the site, where the war between the U.S. Army and the native tribes officially ended. You look around and you realize Geronimo's warriors were living here, in this dry land where even modern man won't stay. We sat there for a good long while, Brian says, next to an empty freeway, awestruck. It's going to be very hard to drive past the next historical marker that I pass. Brian, I am uh, really, really glad that you shared your story. I, I, I love stopping and looking at these markers, uh, and it's a fairly new phenomenon to me as well, uh, at least in the past couple of years since we moved down here. But when I would make the drive from Farmville to uh, Alexandria for NRA News, I would pass by several of these road signs, uh, the historic markers on the side of the road. And I couldn't always stop and read every one, but on my drive, I could usually stop and read one or two. Uh, and there was, there's one that's on uh, Highway 15, uh, just north of a place called Zion's Crossroads. It's in between um, uh, two towns, Zion's Crossroads and Gordonsville, Virginia. And it's um, you, you're you're driving through this uh, sort of wooded area, and then it, it right as it opens up into just miles and miles of open pasture, uh, only broken up by the occasional uh, windbreak of trees. There's a sign on the right-hand side of the road, and it says Lafayette uh, crossed here as he was, uh, this was a 1781, um, marching west from, uh, marching west to Albemarle to uh, cut off uh, Cornwallis. This was the uh, you know last Virginia campaign. But to, to 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 stop by the side of the road and realize, you know, again, and the, and the landscape hasn't changed too much since then. 
This was still farmland. Some of the the big plantation homes that were built uh, were built around 1880 or so. So those wouldn't have been there. But the land itself uh, looks awfully similar to what it must have looked like back then. And and you can just gaze out over these miles of uh, open pasture. And, uh, you know, again, it doesn't take too much of the imagination to picture uh, Lafayette and these Continental soldiers, some of whom may have been uh, born and raised not far from that area, but others from, uh, you know, states like Massachusetts and Vermont, uh, as far south as South Carolina, maybe even Georgia, uh, you know, all traveling uh, to try to uh, uh, beat the British and, uh, and establish this nation. And they passed right by you, right by where you're standing. It, I don't know. It does help make history come alive. And then you learn about those those characters uh, in history that you never really heard about. Right. Like uh, right outside of Appomattox National Park in uh, Appomattox, Virginia, there is a, uh, a sign. I can't remember the guy's name now. But he was the father of the banjo. And he uh, and he apparently was born and grew up in uh, Appomattox, Virginia. Joel something or other. And, you know, again, you, you, you never know what you're going to read. Uh, the closer you get to Washington, you see when you're up in the, you know, the uh, Spotsylvania, Fredericksburg area, most of the road signs have something to do with the Civil War. But, again, you'll find all of these sort of weird, random uh, bits of information about the state that you're in. And yeah, I, I, I love learning about those little bits of almost trivial information, you know, because when you can connect that uh, an event or a person or something like that to the spot that you occupy, it just helps you get a little bit closer to history. So thanks for sending that in, Brian. And uh, let me know more about your future road trips. Uh, Jeff. Also wrote in as well. This is waiting for the next installment on the podcast. And uh, Jeff sent along a couple of pictures of some of the old magazines that he has scanned, including uh, this is from, let's see, 1939 uh, Time Magazine, October 23rd, 1939, 15 cents, which, uh, by the way, that's exactly how much my copy of 1948's uh, Life magazine cost as well jeff and on the uh, it's interesting so this 1948 life magazine that i had talked about on the show i had, i've actually tweeted out some pictures from the magazine over the last couple of days at cam edwards on twitter the back cover ad uh for this life magazine was a camel ad and it featured uh a hockey player and at the bottom it said uh, more doctors choose camel than uh, any other cigarette so 1939 Back cover of Time Magazine, full-page ad for Camel. <laughs> uh, this time not starring a, a hockey player, but uh, Joe DiMaggio of the New York Yankees. Shilling for Camel cigarettes. Holy cow. Joe DiMaggio has something to say about how different cigarettes can be. How about it, Joe? Do you find that Camels are different from other cigarettes? <laughs> There's a picture of uh, Joe DiMaggio being interviewed by a bunch of reporters who, uh, you know, again, clearly the most important thing that they would want to know about would be uh, Joe DiMaggio's opinion of Camel cigarettes. Are they different, Joe? What do you think? And he says, uh, well, any all cigarettes are alike talk doesn't jive with my experience. There's a big difference. Camels have a lot extra. I've smoked camels steadily for five years, and I have found that Camel's the cigarette that agrees with me in a lot of ways. Good taste, mildness, Easy on the throat. 
Camels don't give me the feeling of having jumpy nerves. Wow. Uh, and then a little sidebar for uh, the cigarette company. In 1948, it was uh, more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. In 1939, it was we know tobacco because we grow it. And a, uh, let's see, a, 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 a series of four testimonials uh, by farmers who prefer camels. <laughs> uh, let's see, you've got Edward Estes capable young planter who knows tobacco from the ground up. Mr. Roy Jones, an experienced planter who prefers camels. Mr. Harold Craig, a successful grower who gives the planter's slant on the subject of the quality of leaf tobacco used for camels. And uh, Walter Devine. He too, oh, he just loves those camel cigarettes. We smoke camels because we know tobacco, tobacco planters say. It was a uh, a different world, one that is still recognizable today, Jeff, but uh, in many ways a uh, a very different world. Uh, finally, oh, I do want to say a, a thank you to Greg, uh, Mr. Lama Guy himself. I'm hopefully looking forward to seeing you, Greg, and Mushu, and the uh, family in North Carolina for the uh, Duskin and Stevens Beef and Beer Benefit coming up here in June. Uh, Trent also wrote in, he said, Miss E microaggressed against me, Cam. So I couldn't believe it when Miss E said that not everybody can do everything. I haven't yet given up on my dream of being an NBA star, though being short and round and largely lacking the fast twitch muscle fiber that's typically required. Her saying that it might not be for me sent me off the lawnmower that I was riding in under the large pine tree in the fetal position where uh, Trent was found sobbing hours later. Uh, Trent says, we, we did have a real problem here over the weekend. As two chicks were killed on the run sometime late Friday, early Saturday, I discovered the feathers in the run Saturday morning, but I had been out fishing with a friend late Friday night, so I'm not exactly sure when the attack happened. I suspect a hawk, as there's no sign of digging, and it is secure. I planned to cover the run, Trent says, but I hadn't had that time. Netting was installed on Sunday. So I'm down in Moran's in New Hampshire, but I still have 10 of the new layers left. The cochin cockerel that it's starting to look like he's going to cut quite the impressive figure, in addition to the three older birds that are currently laying. Still, Trent says, you hate to lose animals. And you do, especially when it's, you know, just a waste like that, Trent, right? I mean, it's one thing if you're raising uh, broilers and it's, time or you're raising hogs and it's it's time but uh it, it sucks you're right to have an animal taken off by a a predator on the good to, uh the good side um trent says the garden is tilled this is with rain coming this week i'll be getting the kale the romaine carrots and napa cabbage in tomorrow or wednesday he says it's also morel season here in northeast indiana he says, I've been seeing the photos of fines creep north for the last couple of weeks. And this weekend, Instagram full of people sharing the morel halls. He says, I'm not sure if you get morels in Virginia or not. Pity if you don't. They are sublime and among the most expensive fungus on the planet. Fungi. Uh, they also don't take to being farmed like some other mushrooms. So they are tough to find. Trent says, I'm always glad to know that somewhere in Paris, there's a French chef who would look down his nose and judge me for dredging them in flour, frying them in butter and putting them on white bread with similarly fried bluegill fillets when he would likely pay 30 euros a pound to put them in his daily special. But Trent says, I prefer them my way. Your way sounds pretty darn good, Trent, I gotta say. 
Now, Trent also says, uh, truthfully, my motivation has taken a bit of a hit in the last week. As my unsettled employment situation has had a couple of major shakeups that would mean a major move is ahead for my wife and me. And true to form, Trent says, I'm stewing about it. Well, Trent, I think that's perfectly understandable. Uh, major moves and uh, major upheaval, that, that is reason for stewing. I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, always being an optimist uh, and, and, you know, not letting uh, uh, things get you down. But I also understand that sometimes things will get you down. So I want you to know that I'm uh, keeping my thoughts and my prayers. I uh, ask those of our uh, listeners who... Uh, are the uh, the praying kind to do the same for Trent and uh, listen? I, I hope that uh, smoother waters are ahead for you very very soon, Trent. And uh, let me know if there's anything that I can do in the meantime. Uh, now we got to get out of here. Unfortunately, the uh, dogs are kind of snoring at my feet, and uh, soon Miss E will be back uh, from milking. And you know what? I'm going to hang out with Missy for a little bit. But thank you for hanging out with us. And I look forward to spending more time with you next week here on another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Um, let's see. You can follow us on uh, Twitter. I'm at Cam Edwards. You can't follow Missy on Twitter because she's not on Twitter. You can follow Missy on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. That's Corny, Corny with a C, C-O-R-N-Y. Had a couple of folks say, I thought it was something else. No. No, that would be juvenile to uh, name your farm in an attempt to make people think that uh, you're actually naming it <clears throat> something else that goats are known for. Corny Goat Farm there at uh, Instagram. At Cam Edwards on Instagram as well. I am dipping my toes back in the Facebook waters, so uh, you can find me on Facebook as well at uh, Cam Edwards 1, Cam Edwards 2A. Yeah, I probably need to dip my toes back in a little bit more frequently if I can't even remember uh, who I am on the Facebook uh, Cam Edwards two way I think is a, a good place to find me. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not somebody else. Uh, in the meantime, again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we will talk to you soon here on another edition of Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.